Hello, lovely Eurovision people. Juan here, resident bitch at Eurobliss. Unfortunately, the first part of our two-part Desert Island Disc special has disappeared in the virtual entrails of my computer. I don't know what happened, but perhaps the popping of corks and the slurring of our words, especially my words, uh, might give a clue as to what could have happened. Uh, so with no further ado, we jump not so straight into part two. So we are Eurobliss! By Thump. And we're back with a second gripping instalment of a combined Desert Island Discathon. Now, if you missed the first part, you can check it out on our meaty archives on www.mixcloud forward slash Eurobliss and also on the Spotify and the Apple Music. I still have my two favourite people here, me Mark and me Juan. And if you were lucky enough to listen to the first chapter of this Desert Island Discathon, you will have many questions, such as, will Mark ever pick a ballad? Does Juan always shake what recent surveys suggest call his booty? Will this quiche ever get eaten? And how many more bottles of Prosecco will it take to start a food fight? And much more. In the very likely event you two will get stuck on a desert island with each other, will you be able to cohabit based on your current knowledge of musical styles and choices? Or will it be Lloyd of the Flies all over again? Uh, I can see a hastily purchased <laughs> IKEA self-assembler wall down the middle of the aisle with acoustic self-assembled Berlin wall. Yeah, with acoustic <laughs> soundproofing, and once a week a door will open, and Juan says, "I found one you might just like." <laughs> I wouldn't do that because I don't care what you think. <laughs> oh, that's the prosecco talking. Oh. We're going to start tonight's playlist with a fine slice of. Turkish Wham Bam. Now, Turkey debuted in 1975 and promptly lost, which then kind of set the tone for many, 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 many years to come. And they sort of quickly became Eurovision's greatest annual underachievers. But that all changed in about 2003-ish when they changed the format of their song selection. And uh, with the language change rule, uh, they began to sing in English. Not that this next one is in English, it's in Turkish, but it's from 2008. It's one of my favourite Turkish songs. And it's absolutely insane. Ara ne ar sahibi ruhumun tam yeri 
energy of Morve Ortese. And oh my God, a lead singer. So I don't know if this is a coinkadink, uh, but we started the last podcast with Milan Stankovic, who looks like a doll. And similarly, the singer of Morve Ortese kind of looks like a doll as well, but a beautiful, insane doll. Uh, which is appropriate because the title of the song translates as insane or right, crazy. Crazy, yeah, yeah, insane, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not delicatessen. No. <laughs> You're welcome. Deli, deli, so stupid. <laughs> oh, he's lost it. I'm okay, here, here we are. Okay, centering, centering, okay. <laughs> This is a really, really good, solid rock track. Uh, even outside of the realms of Eurovision, Uh, and I love their live performance as well. Uh, they really feel like a cohesive band, and sometimes band can feel a bit static on the Eurovision stage, like they're just standing there. But in this case, they really managed to figure out how to make the performance dynamic and impactful and really lift an already awesome track. It's great how Turkey, having started so badly in Eurovision, in the noughties, a little late in the day perhaps, found something distinctive and cutting edge about their performances. Like, people weren't really going for rock even in that era, but suddenly, year after year, you get this Turkish, woo, wow, and of course that reached its um, climax with Manga in 2010, and then they left us um, very shortly afterwards, which we was a real shame. We, we missed miss Turkey. Turkey. Miss Turkey. Yeah, Turkey. come back, Turkey. Please come back, Turkey. You will, Turkey. Uh, Mark is uh, next up. It's the opening song from the 2003 contest. It's a song from Iceland. It's called Ovrelöker. Cool. Open your heart. Sung by 22-year-old Birgitta. Now Iceland have given us lots of great stuff over the years since their magnificent debut in 1986. So what is it about this next song that's got the edge over the other Icelandic? Can we entries? just play it? Then? Let's. Okay. Oof, <laughs> oof. Oof. Taking control, Juan. Let's uh, let's adhere to the structure. Then you Thank can you bitch about it afterwards. <laughs>
Open your heart, show me the pain, it's all part of who you are. Tell me your dreams, your hopes and your fears, open your beating heart to me. As we all know, it's better in Icelandic. It um, certainly is. Yeah. Pity they didn't do that. 2003 will always have a special place in my Eurovision memory because it's the year that I had the biggest Eurovision party. I had a flat on Fleet Street, which really wasn't very big, and somehow I crammed 36 people oh into God. this on, on a very, very hot night. And the voting, as we remember, was indescribably tense and amazing. And what you always hope for with Eurovision is that there are some years when it doesn't really get going to like song number seven or eight and everyone's going, what are we doing here? Particularly the people who aren't really great Eurovision fans. This came on and everyone went, wow, that's great. I love the song. It's got a great melody and she's really good looking. And, and I just thought it's fresh. And it's the kind of song, if you're driving down an American highway with your... Uh, roof open in the car and you've got this on full volume it's the kind of song that you think just gets you sailing along the highway um, Do you have a convertible? No, no, but if I did I would play this <laughs> <laughs> And you liked it, Juan, I know Well, I mean, okay I wouldn't pick it from my Desert Island discs but I do feel like it has potential like when it started I was less than impressed but by the end I was actually convinced into kind of liking it uh, for me, though, there are a lot of things weighing it down. The chorus is actually very strong. Uh, and somewhere in there, there is a lot of drama and power in that chorus. But it is struggling to come out. I think the dreary arrangement makes the song sound like a pallid Natalie Imbruglia cover. Um, I don't think the style suits the, the song or the melody uh, it gets in the way of the drama, especially the constant beat that is basically the same throughout the song creates a lack of dynamic contrast. So the chorus doesn't really lift as it should. And it, as it has put the potential to do, I think it could do better. But I, I, as a Eurovision fan, I still enjoy it. I think you'd probably change that a little bit if you heard it in Icelandic because it, it it's actually, oddly enough, different. It's yes. very atmospheric and very mysterious. Yeah. It got to two lots of 12 points. Can you guess from who? Uh, Norway. And... Denmark. Malta. Malta. Oh, Malta. obviously. Just, I mean, it's Small like island yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? We are... Oh, yes, the next artist has sold over one and a half million records in Greece, including many best-selling platinum records. She did Eurovision at the beginning of her career in 1993 and is recording to this very day, 30 years later. She caused a little controversy within the Greek media due to her choice of frock, a pale blue dress what? with a full-length slit down each side, which is quite revealing and pornographic for 1993. And she also holds a Eurovision record for an individual singer and the fact that there's someone out here who does this is quite insane. But she um, she holds the record for the longest camera close-up, which was 43 <laughs> seconds before the Randy cameraman pulled away and cut to another angle of her. This is the live version of the Greek song from mm -hmm. 1993, sung by... <laughs> it's Juan's choice. Katy <laughs> Garvey. I can't fucking remember. I didn't write it down and I can't remember. Ελάτε τώρα του φωτό, του κοσμορφή. 
song is if you'd heard the studio version it was a bit limp but then she really elevated it on the night big yes, time yes 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 so the the recorded version isn't bad but i do feel it's quite bare um it needed the live elements to marry it all together for me the live version is the finished definite version uh now i am a sucker in general but we also, know enough. yeah, yeah, yeah. But especially, <laughs> most of London knows actually. <laughs> <laughs> tous les pays du monde. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I can only agree. Uh, but also, yeah, Simon Soccer in general. But also, <laughs> for the contrast between the upbeat and fun and the complex and interesting, uh, here in the verses, the vocal melody almost doesn't take precedence. Uh, it just loosely weaves between the instrumental rhythms in long notes and syncopations. Uh, I just, uh, mm, I love it. Uh, the arrangement very cleverly melts the verses and the chorus, so it doesn't feel out of place that the verses are basically half-time Eastern beats. And then the chorus goes into like a free-flowing, more Western pop while never losing its own cultural identity. It is so cool, it is so clever, it's so catchy, I can't get enough of it. Love it. We've said in previous uh, editions of Europlis how awful it is when songs with great, authentic, ethnic musical traditions throw all that away and go for some generic Western pop stuff, you know? And Greece have probably been the most guilty of that in, 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 in recent years. And this is like a salad reminder of just what fantastic power uh, and and you know this kind of tapestry of um, 
it, it's it's the music kind of cross-cutting in a way. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. That's, it, that's what I was saying. Yeah, absolutely it's like coming in one direction and it comes out another from you. And, and of course, her live performance is, is absolutely electric. So, yeah, well done. I will definitely open my door through that wall on the desert island. And I'll come and listen to this for three minutes with you. Oh, my God. I, I'm in tears right now. <laughs> I hear, I hear wedding bells. I hear wedding bells. Uh, we are in... Serbia. It's 2008 and Mr. Mark has chosen a song sung by Yelena Tomasevic, written by our dear friend and creator of the Balkan ballad, Zelko Joksimovic. Let's play Oro. <laughs> that but while that song was on mark just sang it from start to finish in serbian wafting himself with a little fan do you know what is so <laughs> amazing about this song is that there's this 
receive wisdom in Eurovision that if you win for the first time, Serbia, 2007, you really don't want to win again because it's expensive and time-consuming. And so let's put a really awful song in that's going to come somewhere between 19th and 24th. And they put this in. And the more I hear this, the more I think, do you know, that is on the same level as Molitva, if not perhaps better. It's an absolutely beautiful song. So just, it's just, absolutely a little, just a little comment on, on, on winning again, because this is a winner potential you know, song. However, on the live performance on the night, she sabotaged it a little bit. She went a little bit like uh, ad libby, and it of wasn't peace. yeah of peace, and it wasn't always completely in key. Yeah, but it's still a stellar song. It is, it is. It's, it's an absolute... Oro, of course, you know, Spanish speakers think, oh, it means gold. Actually, no, it's a dance. And it's a very specific Serbian dance where all the people from the village all come together. So if you have that Eurovision theme of unity and people from disparate backgrounds all linking hands and coming together, it's imagine a little drone shot of a camera where everybody comes out of their village house and links hands and starts moving around in a circle. That is what Oro is. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, are you crying now? Are you laughing? <laughs> are you high? No, but that's uh, it's it the is, That's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, shout uh, at me. Okay. But okay, so in my world, saying anything bad about Jelko Joksimovic is tantamount to Eurovision blasphemy. Uh, he has written some of the best songs in the history of the context. Here, here. But including those particular songs in this program would be a little too obvious. Uh, and I am sure our demographic has probably heard those songs a million times already, and they already know what I'm talking about. Uh, Oro is still a very worthy entry to this list. Uh, well done, to Mark. Me, to me, this is one of his entries where he is trying to access both Western and Eastern audiences the most. Probably because, you know, they were hosting that year. Um, the chorus doesn't have any lyrics. It goes, which is more universal. And the beat is less syncopated and more straight, a little bit more Western European. Uh, it is a great composition and it is beautifully sung as well. So you've uh, married on that one as well. Oh, yeah. Still not as good as live report, but let's continue. <laughs> let's see if you marry on this next one. Uh, Portugal have had a tough time at Eurovision throughout the years. They've sent some amazing songs and amazing singers, but they've rarely been rewarded with the results that they deserve. Nonetheless, from time to time, they go a bit off the cuff, which takes us to the Portuguese entry from 2019, which failed to qualify from its semi-final. It came 15th out of 17. Uh, before we play... Tragedy. Do you know which two songs it beat from in its semi-final? I don't know. No, it beat Montenegro's Heaven, which was, what's the word? D-Mall. Yeah. That was bad. And Finns Look Away. Uh, anyway, it's the absolutely wonderful Conan and mobile phones. Eu parti o telemóvel A tentar ligar para o céu Para saber se eu mato a saudade Ou quem morre sou eu E quem mata quem, quem mata quem mata Quem mata quem, nem eu sei Quando souber eu não ligo 
Defend yourself. Yes. So despite Put your them, clothes back on. <clears throat> so despite them fumbling the stage and basically sabotaging themselves on the night, big time, uh, this remains one of the most interesting and cool songs ever in Eurovision. Uh, they mix African beats and Portuguese folk and like fado singing with modern production and it, and it is completely seamless, authentic, queer and so original. Its qualities are really standing the test of time. If anything, everyone else is still trying to catch up to this. So ahead of its time. Fantastic entry. I don't know where to start with this. <laughs> if Benjamin Britten had composed a song for Eurovision, this would have been it. Sort of the kind of thing that when you leave a Benjamin Britten op and no one can remember three or four consecutive notes to sing together because it's just lacking Yet I sang along melody. To completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've heard it 4,098 times. Yeah, but like, I, I sang along most to people get once to vote on it and they voted. <laughs> it's not that competitive. No, 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 no. It's not. I bet well, on... I laid this. I, I made so much money on this. <laughs> I just heard it. and Look, I don't dislike it. I think it's a really brave 
courageous flop, you know. But, uh, That's what it, it is. It was one of the favorites, but not because of its musical memorability, because of its fun factor. No, it's a cult song. I mean, long after the Boom Bang Bangs and Diggy Loo Diggy Lays have disappeared into the Eurovision ether, this will be remembered. Uh, but the problem is it's too avant-garde. It's too cutting edge. It's way, way, way... Of, it's can, too clever by half, Wang. It's for people like you. It was one of the favourites going in, and that was because the staging had fun in it. And that, and that fun is accessible to everyone. When it came to the night, they went for the avant-garde artistic, like, niche Uh, vibe and you know that's not for everyone. Those, no, silvery, no for those silvery mint green outfits. That was horrible. <laughs> was I mean that was horrible. I mean I've made this comment before but I'll say it again. You know those little triangular shapes inside the quality street <laughs> they just they look I like they bought agree. 28 tins of that, peeled off all the green wrappers and stuck them all together with elastoplast. I saw him being interviewed on the line on the YouTube uh, a couple of weeks ago and Prior to the interview, I thought it might be a bit weird, but he's actually a really, really, really sweet boy. And he is incredibly handsome, which you don't see on the night because he's hiding his face with all that weird bling stuff. Mm. Anyway, the next song written by a chap called Ashley Hicklin, who hails from Scarborough. And I mentioned him in our last podcast because he also helped write this year's Polish entry, which is called River mm. by my lovely Ockman, which is also one of your favourites, isn't it, Mr Mark? Mm. Lost me a lot of money, that song. Oh! Maybe not one of your favourites anymore. No. <laughs> have, you, have you gone off the song now? <laughs> River. I, just, I can't bear to listen to it anymore. <laughs> Neither can my bank manager. Uh, back in 2010, our Ashley hooked up with lovable Belgianite Tom the Dice, and having failed to qualify from the previous five contests, this was a much needed boost for the Belgians. But you know what they say, don't you? Tom? This has gone too far. People always say Tom, this has gone too far But I'm not afraid to chase my dreams Just me and my guitar And no one may ever know The feelings inside my mind Cause all of the lines I ever write are running out of town So maybe I should get a nine to five But I don't want to let it go, there's so much more to now And tell me that I got it wrong Tell me everything will be okay Before I fall And tell me they'll play my songs Tell me they'll sing the words I'll say When darkness falls And all of the stars Well me and my guitar mm -mm. I'm sure that I'll find my way Cause I'm not afraid to try But even a world of love and hope 
John Denver had put a song into Eurovision, <laughs> it might have come out a little bit like this. Um, you know, for all of the razzmatazz and the, you know, Verka Zaduchka costumes and the glitz, standing in front of a microphone with a guitar with a really good melody and when you're cute and with a nice waistcoat on, that also helps. Um, without a wind machine. Without a wind machine. Without a gimmickless song. There are songs like this which eternally just cut through all the crap and everyone goes, yeah, that's really authentic and I, I, that deserves some votes. Not a winner, but what, sixth, I think? Very good. And don't forget, great for Belgium because they came off this horror run of, of so many years of not getting through semifinals. And um, good for you, Tom. You get my vote. And mine. I mean, straight young guy... With a guitar. How emotional, how original. Um, Ed Sheeran released his first single in 2011. So Tom Dice was a horrible omen of things to come. Uh, for once, Eurovision was actually ahead of the curve. Uh, for some reason, when he is standing there alone on the stage, just him and his guitar, I forget that I don't really care for this basic song. I forget that this is a young, white, straight guy from Belgium whining about not becoming a star and having to get a job like everyone else. And that that is somehow a great tragedy worth singing over. Uh, all of that is forgiven and forgotten when he is on stage. And I find myself wanting him to succeed because of his presence and because of his vulnerability. It is really an impressive magic trick that he performs. Well, that looks like a 10 on 10 to me. Oh, Dijernel Point is now yeah. reaching for his mouchoir. I, it always makes me cry, I don't know. It's just one of those Eurovision songs, and there's a couple more coming up, actually, that you've picked, that I, I will watch, and they just make me go goosey, and manifolds rock hard, and then I start crying. Next up, it's 2021, and we're going to the Ukraine, and we're going to make some noise. Do you see what I've done there? It's a personal favourite of mine. I saw these guys recently, it's Go Away by the way, uh, in a sold out concert here in the London and uh, they were magical and I'm thrilled to bits that Juan has picked this one. This is Shum. Shum, shum, shum. <laughs> Bye. 
just, yeah. Um, they sang Solovey in the aforementioned concert and introduced it by saying that this is a song that changed our lives forever. And that's what Eurovision does. It changes your life forever. And I think it changed the Eurovision a little bit. Uh, like, maybe this is a bit of an obvious choice, but I just had to pick it. Um, musically, it is just a proper tune. Uh, when they released the first version of the song, the first video, I put it on my Facebook page and like my friends just went crazy. Uh, so it's even great outside of Eurovision and the staging and performance must have been one of the best ever. And the way she commanded the screen with her presence, she really was like a techno priestess and we were all worshipping. She was awesome, awesome. I've watched it back so many times. Yeah. One of my favourites for all time. I, I hated Solovey. I, I, I hated that nasality of... But I have to say, uh, and I hold my hands up in defeat, uh, I've I've warmed to this since loathing it initially in 2021. And I'll tell you what changed it for me was the staging. When it cut to the final 40 seconds with all those that column of the runners, I was just like some child in sort of magic wonderland because it totally synchronised with the beat and the rhythm of the music and it all came together as a piece of artistry. And from then on, like we're just hearing it now, I just see those figures running towards me and I just get swept up into this different world. So fabulous. It was naked men, wasn't it? Uh, they like Cybermen from Doctor Who, actually. Sometimes Eurovision can do that. Especially like Euphoria is a great example of that, and Shum as well. Okay, uh, so it's 2015, another year the voting was a bit weird. This next gem only got 35 points from the combined jury and televote, which was wrong on every level. It's called All Over Again, and it's performed by a Romanian group called Voltage. And I'm going to cry now because it's beautiful. Cântec dar fi viața mea Vesel trist tot l-aș cânta Nu aș rata nicio notă Râu dar fi l-aș înnota Până la mare l-aș urma Nu m-aș opri niciodată Știi că Viața n-are buton de rewind Să poți să întorci ce-ai pierdut Nu poți nici să pui pe pauză Când nu știi ce-i de făcut Dacă mâine
What's that song about? That song's about leaving children behind. Um, Romanians who fled their country looking for jobs, but often dads working in fields in the UK and talking by um, phone to their kids, and mum there as well. And, you know, it's like an obvious theme in a... But not not only the UK, all over Europe. Yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Romani, no, yeah, exactly. It's a universal phenomenon. But the Romanians felt it particularly. Though I mean, it was a country along with Bulgaria. It is. A, I just want to say, it is a European yes, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, issue, and yeah. especially in Eurovision, yeah. that is very, very poignant. Yeah, it's very poignant. And do you know what's particularly striking about this? If you think about it over the years, Romania have often put like upbeat fun entries in or slightly joke entries but there have been very few Romanian entries which have really tugged the heartstrings, which have been serious, which have been really poignant, that's the word, poignant and this is one you know um, I don't know what the hell the juries and, and the voters were doing to have this so low down this was a top 10 song if ever there was one Well I think It is poignant. The um, <clears throat> the message is absolutely relevant. The problem is only half of Europe recognizes the problem and recognizes the message. The privileged part of Europe don't really relate to what he's talking about. They have no experience of this. Because uh, their kids are at home with them and they've exactly. got jobs. And, They're you know, the ones, what are so, you all moaning about? Exactly. So why are they paying attention to the the tragedies of the people who do their work for pick the fruit for them or wh whatever you know what i mean so like this song really puts a knife into a a, a a european equality conflict um but i find the message of the song more moving than the song itself i think had it been done today the production would have been way more suited to the song for 2015 it was trying to be like an indie indie rock thing that that I don't think it worked that well I think like a trap bass or like a trap production would have worked a lot better however I'm not saying it's a bad song at, at all I think still the composition is lovely but knowing what it's about gives it so much power it just makes you want to cry I you know and the way he sings it as well has such urgency and depth to it it, it you know it is so moving And it's one of the very, very few songs in Eurovision which, uh, on, in the live performance, they hybrid uh, English and Romanian lyrics. And normally that kind of thing doesn't work in Eurovision, but this time it works beautifully because the English lyrics still fit the song. Mm. You know, they've, they've translated it really well. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Hello You is Hello. not the title of the next song. <laughs> We are in Scandinavia and out of the very chaotic shambles of the 1991 show, Juan has picked the next song and it's a song from Finland. Kaksi kulkia yhteen osuttiin, yksi yhteinen hetki jaettiin. 
Do you know, I love Finland. Why do you love Finland? Well, I love their drama and I love how alcoholic they are. Um, <laughs> 1991 was my first Eurovision. And this song always really stuck to me as a as a very young, very homosexual boy. Uh, how the singer is like staring into the camera and the backing dancers doing like tango inspired moves in the background. I just thought the drama was just so captivating. Uh, at first glance, it is very much just a standard Eurovision 90s ballad, but it actually does pretty much everything right within that box. Uh, very dynamic changes between all the parts, really helping to inject a lot of that Finnish drama and darkness and power, uh, which is what this song does so well. The song keeps me... Th- sorry, the song keeps doing interesting things and keeps me listening throughout Uh, but what really elevates it for me is the deep rich timbre of her voice and also the Finnish language I just love it you see the preview video was amazing and her national final performance was also very captivating but I think she lost a lot of that on the big night but that wasn't her fault I I have only seen the, the 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 one on the night, the Eurovision one. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. The 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 stage itself on 1991 didn't really help anybody, particularly her. No, 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 no. I mean, what um, listeners to this uh, edition of Eurobliss don't know is that, you know, 
Kwan was singing along fluently uh, to that when it was on. Um, and but I mean, you know, and Juan is a bit of a dark horse. I mean, apart from being um, a Spanish speaker by birth, native tongue, then Swedish and, of course, English. He's just a real polyglot. But how is it you know all those Finnish words? Is it because you've sat there and looked at all the words and studied no. them, or is it just repetition? It's phonetics. It's phonetics, yeah, it's yeah. Phonetics. But, I mean, being a Swedish speaker wouldn't necessarily help you with Finnish, would it? No, but between Spani- Spanish... Spanish? Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a But in yeah. <laughs> Spanish, English and Swedish, you kind of cover most phonetics, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but it's just listening to those sounds. You've copied those sounds into your in my brain, brain because it's. Yeah. I mean, since 1991, yeah. I know the song. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? it's like me and Molitva, basically. Yeah. We have only got. Uh, hang on, one, two, three more songs to go. We've skipped through these so fast. It's 2018. We're in Denmark. We've got marching Vikings, sinister swirling mists snowstorms, lots of wind machines, dramatic sails, lots of blokey grunting and the most glorious assemblage of beards and shoulder length conditioned hair ever to grace the Eurovision stage. It's of course Rasmussen and Higher Ground. Ships in the making Bound for a distant shore World for the taking Men gone forevermore Boarding and setting sail Yet victory
I mean, Denmark are known for their cheesy songs, but come on, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. It came ninth. Uh, it was another classic case of Eurovision snobbery where everyone said, oh, God, it's so schlager awful. And um, it's so passe. And guess what? You know, the juries gave it their 38 votes and then the public put the record straight and made me... £250. Oh, that's why you like it. Okay. I love it. it <laughs> my, I did back it to come top ten. It came ninth. So it only just squeezed in. But, um, oh, what a, what a, you know, what a spectacle. They just, it's a bit like um, we were talking before about the, the Swiss and Swiss lady in a previous programme, the Alpenhorn, and so this is what you expect from Sweden. And so, you know, what, what do they do in Denmark? Oh, they all think we're going to have Vikings. Let's do Vikings. But, but in a kind of send-up, serious, good, tasteful kind of way. Um, you know when you get that little clip that lasts for seven seconds of the replay and everyone sees them on the stage? No, I don't know what you mean by that. Oh, you, you, get, <laughs> you know, everyone goes, oh, yeah, it's the Viking song. I'll vote for that. It's brilliant. Did you walk with them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, I cannot remember what I said in the preview program about this song. But I don't think I was all that sold. I think I was in the like snobbish camp. Oh well, there's a surprise. No, no, yeah, but like, I, I, and I think I can't be like totally blamed for that. I think half of the blame is on me, and half of the blame is on Denmark for sending horrible things continuously. So it is just an automatic reaction to hate everything from Denmark. It's true. You true, know what true. I mean? Yeah. Like so. But once, once I've gotten past that trauma. <laughs> that Eurovision Denmark trauma and actually listened to the song and I saw what they did on stage. I mean, this is Eurovision excellence, uh, a proper high camp Eurovision performance. So much fun. This is what I come to the Eurovision for. Great track. Not to be confused with the Finnish Rasmussen of 2022, but very important to share this. Uh, Rasmussen is the ninth most popular surname in Denmark and is owned by 2.5% of the population. Thank you. <laughs> ding, ding. That concludes our informative... <laughs> no, on, sorry. Public, public information broadcast on behalf of the Danish government. <laughs> We are staying very happily in Scandinavia. The next one's very interesting in that it's 51 years old. Uh, wow. And it's, oddly, it's the only Swedish entry out of the current 61 Swedish songs that either of you have chosen for either of your Desert Island shows, which is quite strange given that one of you is actually Swedish, apparently, mm -hmm, anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh this isn't an obvious one, far from it, but I've got to say, for me, I think it's probably my favourite Swedish song of all time. And uh, as many times I've listened to, as I've listened to Waterloo, this is a beautiful, beautiful song. And before I play it, I think I'm proud to say that I'm the one who introduced this to you. You absolutely did. I had no idea about it before. Which makes me DJ Doospong. Well, that's, that's the name. I'm going to change my name. <laughs> I'm going to change my name. This is The Family Four. Jag har en annan 
time this is 1971 and uh even in the record books before they went on stage they were the very first group in eurovision because oh, wow. uh, in 1970 or 71 they changed the rules to the six on stage thing so before then it was uh soloists and duos only so yeah they they're ahead of their time so actually i i, I selected this and i did grew up in Sweden, so I have to give it up for the motherland a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, since I understand the lyrics, I should maybe talk a little bit about that. So it's a little bit of a juxtaposition between a couple and one of them likes the Mediterranean warm weather and the other one likes the cold. And, you know, and, and they're saying, you have this idea of paradise and I have my idea of paradise. And when they say my idea of paradise, they are indirectly referring to Sweden. So there's kind of a nationalism in that they keep talking about like the winter wonderlands and yada, yada, yada. Typical nationalism of the time, right? But, but uh, So it's basically a song in favour of compromise and living in neutral Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Sweden is not a stranger to compromise. Just look at uh, the Second World War. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> do you know what I like? Do you know what? <laughs> but but wait, 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 apart from anything else, musically, this song is fantastic. It goes from one world to another in the context of, of the lyrics. The music is doing the same. The harmonies are fantastic. The voices, the way they sing, amazing. This is by far my favorite Swedish entry of all time. Woohoo! Wow. Um, what, what's compelling about this song is that when you think of Sweden, you think of Eurovision Powerhouse, you think of Euphoria, Loreen, and the victory in 2015, and you know being second in the Eurovision all-time league table of winners it's so nice to go back to a time when sweden had never won and in fact had yeah, never yeah. really performed that admirably and to find a little gem of a song they were a quartet uh, two bearded men two girls one blonde one brunette whoever thought what they would ever win a uh, eurovision competition and they were made up of four people burnt agnetha marie and pierre so their acronym would have been and another little de a, a tragic <laughs> detail about this group is one of the members was a doctor and he was actually on that ferry, wasn't he? Yeah, Estonia that, that sank. And he, it is spoken about by survivors that he actually helped people 
onto the life rafts and sank himself. A moment's pause, I think, there. Yeah. One more to go. Uh, we are unbelievably at the end of our second podcast. Already we hear you cry. Alas, yes. But we end on an excellent song sung by a young man with an exceptional voice. And yes, it's a ballad. Thank you, Mark. And it represented a country with a pretty terrible qualification record. It is, of course, John's Tears and his formidable self-pen song, Toot Universe. I'm going to ask you why on earth you picked this one after we've heard it. Laissez le vent qui frôle Sa main sur mon épaule Le vide dans ma tête Pas la moindre cachette C'est l'aube qui décline Derrière un champ de ruines Le moment de grandir Ne pas te retenir Another one that drives me to goosebumps and tears. Oh, 
I, I just I said about arcade in the previous program that I won't get tired of hearing it. People sloppily made these silly parallels and saying, "Who are these oh, people? Who are all these people online?" Cousin Helen and Ferguson. No, no, no. <laughs> all these YouTube freaks and people in Eurovision Cafe who were saying, "Oh, it's like arcades too." It's not arcade. It is too. not. It's just it nothing is not. like arcade. The only thing it shares with arcade is that you don't tire of listening to it, and it's absolutely brilliant composition. And he sings like an angel. Mm. That voice is an arrow that hits the bullseye on every single note. And he wrote it himself. I mean, I with the guy who wrote arcade. With the right, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, in a year when Munaskin romped to victory, I'm so proud still that this yeah. song won the jury vote, and and won it very convincingly with some rather controversial, interesting staging. So speaking about the staging, for me that is what sells it. To me, it was a little bit of a middle of the road song, uh, even though his vocal performance was always very good uh and good. I, i very 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 capable i loved his soaring high notes uh, still there wasn't enough of a statement for me so when i saw the performance there was the statement there was the personality there was the originality that lifted it for me uh, to be honest i really like the song more after the fact because of the staging it, it put it in a different space Uh, it's a it's a really great song, a really great Eurovision entry. Well, that's it. We uh, have finished our little journey, a uh, very intriguing journey. I'm sure there's probably a couple of songs that you want to mention that just missed out of your Desert Island choices this time. Two for me, uh, Senora do Mar from Portugal, 2008, coming up hopefully in Desert Island Discs. 2029. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the marvellous uh, Rhythm Inside by Loic Notet. Belgium 2015 stellar songs both of them so for me I think it was Krulo from 1981 uh, and Your any favorite year uh, and maybe 1985 MFO to die did I die but also any Jelko Joksimovic song because that was just too obvious of a pick Uh, I think probably I'm due to do my own Desert Island disc at some point. That's going to be quite yes funny, sir. isn't it? Yes, sir. Oh! I'm going... Yeah, no, no, anyway. Let's, let's, swap, <laughs> let's swap roles. You can let's do a little bit of flip-flop. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I love a flip-flop, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to be merciful. Very versatile. <laughs> oh, really? I don't expect you to, to be Juan, honest. I didn't realise you were so versatile. <laughs> oh, you're not no, the don't, only one Don't say anymore, don't say anymore. Thank you, as ever, to my two rather tipsy time travellers. Um, before we shoot off, there's been some rumblings about next year's contest, and I'm happy to say, I guessed correctly, during our 2022 autopsy podcast, that next year's show will, of course, indeed be in the United Kingdom. Hey, at last. Where are we hoping it's going to be? Manchester. Yeah, well, I have a vested interest here. You know, I mean, I could just Airbnb my apartment out of a zillions of dollars. <laughs> London would just be too, uh, too big of a yeah, city for it. Uh, I hope it's Manchester. Great LGBT village there. BBC hub in Salford. Um, very, very... Easy place to get to from London by train, but also flying into the airport. Uh, it makes absolute sense for it. Considering, to though, the prices in the UK, this is, will probably be the most expensive Eurovision of all time. 
like to get tickets to and to get accommodation for. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, especially his B and B. Listen, Eurobliss is going to be coming. You know, from uh, wherever we have to go to, we've got to go to the the, the host I mean, city. We have to. Oh, we yeah, have to go. We're we going. Go. We're definitely going. Juan in a kilt in Glasgow. I mean, Ooh. the mind boggles. <laughs> of course, you won't wear any knickers. Um, Obviously. So look after yourselves. Thank you for listening. And if you start showing symptoms of monkeypox, i.e. you're eating lots of bananas and climbing trees, then head off to the clinic <laughs> and get a vaccine immediately. It's Tati Byron from us. And uh, what do we do? We love you. Bye. Bye, Bye Tiamo. Woohoo. And for those of you who forgot, I'm up in space now. <laughs> Spaceman for men. <laughs>